police in the morning. Movie fans, another installment of Director's Showcase, a show where we select a different director each month and watch as many films by that director as we can. We then choose a different film by that director to review each week, and at the end of the month, we decide which of five films by that selected director we think stand above the rest. I'm B Movie Paul. And I'm Phantom Dark Dave. And this is week two of Alfred Hitchcock Month. So we will be reviewing Hitchcock's 1959 action thriller film, North by Northwest. All right, so what did you think of North by Northwest, Dave? Eh, it's a good movie. It's a spy movie. Not my favorite kind of movie, but it is an Alfred Hitchcock spy movie, so it was definitely worth watching. I have to say that uh, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it, but it, you have to have two hours and 16 minutes to spare. Yeah, this is a surprisingly long movie, especially for the for 1959. Like, It was... I actually had to watch it in two sittings. Like, I don't have this much time to watch a movie. So, yeah. It was it was a good film. I do have to say that. Like, it was a lot going on throughout it. I really like how the movie starts out. Um, it's very vivid, as most Hitchcock intros are. Um, you know, this movie here, you know, even just the initial background is a, like a vivid kind of neon green screen um the white letters floating across and then all of a sudden you see like these blue lines almost like bars just kind of coming in all you know at a perpendicular making this tic-tac-toe formation and then all of a sudden it starts to fade and you realize the bars are the outlines of windows on a building and so the way that it, it just shows you know you don't know what's going on and then it starts to fade and then you're looking at the building and the building is glass and it's reflecting the streets and so the whole first few minutes you're basically just seeing how insanely busy the city life is and i just that stood out to me a lot as you know i I really like alfred hitchcock's choice on here but i got to give it to the director of photography definitely if i remember correctly this is one of the first films that had a really vivid um opening that had a lot going on like because before this most of them were pretty um pretty standard it was just like the name of the film and people who had been in this so this was um pretty unique for the time period yeah and then also the music they used too is a very upbeat tempo that just it added to the whole it gave you like this chaotic feeling definitely Uh, but, no, I, I very much enjoyed it. So, you know, the good news about this movie, even though it's a little long, is it does grab you from the beginning. There's a lot of tension built up. Um, and, and another note on that, um, the director of photography, his name is Robert Burks. He collaborated with, like, 10 or 15 movies um, with Alfred Hitchcock. That's pretty awesome. They made it. So if, if you kind of like that, you know, you're, you're bound to like many others. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, they're definitely... There's definitely a lot going on. It's not a boring movie by any means. Like, at just about every point, there's something interesting going on. Like, if I had more time in the day, I would have watched it through only one sitting. But, yeah, it's not the fault of the movie. It's more just the fault of the fact that, you know, life just kind of keeps going. But And, and that's kind of the same thing with the movie itself is... You know, Cary Grant's running around. He's accused for for murder that he didn't commit, and he's always running into one predicament after another. So his life also just keeps going and going, and he never gets a break. It's true. It's like one thing after another. Like he's in this position, then he's in there, and then shit just hits the fan. 
Yeah, I mean, it's your typical spy movie. You know, you, you know, you're set up by somebody else trying to be blackmailed. Now you're having to run for your life. Somebody's after you, and you have to prove your innocence and figure out who's trying to take you down and why. And you, you get a lot of colorful characters in this movie. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Cary Grant, um, I'd say one of the things I really liked about this film was the acting was top-notch all around. Um, Cary Grant, always great, and he had really great chemistry with um, Evan Marie Saint and uh, James Mason. Um, James Mason was great as um, the villain, and he came off as ruthless, but you kind of see him as like a full person and how he like how he interacts with um, with um, Evan Marie Saint's uh, character um, Eve, and just you see him like as as actually caring about people, and I really like that. Um, yeah, the acting was, I had absolutely no problems with that. I thought it was, I don't think there was a single bad actor in that or bad performance. You know, I'm going to tag off that because that's perfect. Um, Alfred Hitchcock knew in the beginning he wanted Cary Grant for this movie, but at the time, Cary Grant was not uh, like ready to do it. And so originally, they were hiring James Stewart. Which, you know, you and I both love James Stewart. He already has a reputation with Hitchcock, um, but that's not who Hitchcock wanted. So what happened was, I had read, rumor has it, Hitchcock pushed the production back to a convenient time where James Stewart was not available and he was able to get Cary Grant, which um, I think worked out for this movie. Definitely. I can't see James Stewart doing this. I mean, I, I really like James Stewart. I loved him in Vertigo and Rope and Rear Window and... Um, just really anything I've seen. Him James Stewart cannot be the only Alfred Hitchcock star. Exactly. Like, actually, that's um, that brings me to an inter- interesting point. I was reading a little bit about Cary Grant and um, James Stewart because they've both apparently been in four different um, Hitchcock films. Cary Grant was in Suspicion, Notorious, To Catch a Thief, and North by Northwest, and James Stewart was in. Um, Rope, Rear Window, The Man Who Knew Too Much, and Vertigo. So they're kind of like um, basically Hitchcock um, alumni. Yeah, man, one of them should have did just one more to take the gold. It would have been great if they were in a film, a Hitchcock film <gasps> together. That would have been really Yes, great. as soon as you said that, that's what I was thinking, like the ultimate Hitchcock movie. Yeah, that would have been really cool. One interesting um, thing I read was um, apparently... Um, Hitchcock, he casted Cary Grant and James Stewart in his films because he viewed them as two, like, very differently. He apparently viewed Cary Grant as being the ideal, like, archetypal, like, person that he, he would like to be. He saw him as being strong, heroic, decisive, and he saw James Stewart as the opposite, at least in his acting. I don't know how he actually felt about the guy, but he saw him as being, like, kind of weak, indecisive, um just um nervous and things like that so it's interesting when you see a different we see a film with one of them you know that that was the type of character that he was going for and it's kind of like i guess it says a lot about hitchcock because he viewed cary grant as the man he'd like to be but he viewed james stewart as the man that he believes he actually is so it kind of um says a lot about alfred hitchcock but also like about the type of people that he puts in his films and the type of uh, characters he likes to build around just because altogether they're in eight of his films so that's pretty awesome yeah i mean you can't go wrong with either one of those guys but you definitely have to have the right one in the right movie definitely 
Um, I was going to talk to you about a few things here. Did you have any favorite scenes in this movie? Anything stand out to you? Well, there were two uh, scenes that definitely stood out to me because um, I had seen them in other things before this, but um, it was cool kind of seeing it actually in the movie that it originated. Got to talk about the crop duster scene, of course. Of course. Um, I was fully expecting to be disappointed by that scene, like because like this is 1959, and I've seen it like parodied in things. I've seen like people make reference to it, but it was actually well done. Like I was impressed by it. When, um, yeah, yeah. I I really like that scene as well, but even more so, I like the build up to that scene. Um, so you know what happens is. Um, you know, Cary Grant's standing there, and then he's just kind of standing at the road. He's expecting to meet somebody, and then this car right across the street just pulls up, drops some guy off, and the car backs up down the driveway. And for a solid few seconds, you just have these two guys in suits staring at each other across the street. And they do, like, this wide-angle camera shot, and you, they're standing in the foreground, and then the background you just see, like, you know, the countryside, and then you're like, I don't know what's going to, it just builds so much tension and, and Cary Grant's just kind of staring at the guy. Like, are you the guy I'm supposed to be here for? Or are you the guy I'm running from? And the other guy stares at him like, why are you staring at me? It turned out it was just a guy like waiting for the bus or something like that. that <laughs> yeah. Was... Then a bus comes up and it's just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but I just, and I love it too, because they use that bus so well, you know, the camera focuses on the bus pulling up. But then as the bus drives away, the camera shows kind of from behind this angle, Cary Grant standing there, and then you see that plane flying in the background. Yeah. But, of course, we can't forget, you know, one of the infamous lines in there, you know, is uh, that guy who Cary Grant ends up, you know, introducing himself to while they're waiting for the bus. And the guy says, that's funny, that plane's dusting crops where there ain't no crops. Yeah. And instantly like, you're like, that's that. not a good thing. Yeah, if I... I don't know if I would have picked up on that. Like, I thought it was been a weird, like, kind of thrown in line had I not known it was going to happen. Like, I mean, at this point, like, that scene is so iconic that, like, you'd have to be living under a rock not to have known what happened. But either way, like, it was just such a cool scene, like, just because it's like, oh, wow, that's that's what they're going for. And then it crashes into the uh, truck and, like, the it, everything, you're left with a nice explosion that was... That was a that was a very well done scene, and even knowing that it was going to happen, I was not disappointed. Right, I mean, it just seems so simple, yet it was so effective. Oh yeah. So I, I'm right. I imagine seeing that for the first time in 1959, people were, were probably just their hearts are blowing up out of their chest, you know. Oh yeah. Hitchcock was really good with that, like making scenes that like just stand out. Like he's, I think he's known for more individual scenes than he is for um act for like his films overall even though he's, he makes great films like there are so many like iconic scenes in them like everyone knows this shower scene in psycho um everyone knows um the crap duster scene and just that's right movies. yeah when you talk about um psycho that's the first thing that pops up is that shower scene so i think you um hit the kind of nail on the head there definitely uh, did uh what other scenes stood out to you uh, the, at the very end of the movie, where I guess spoiler alert—I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, people and people probably won't see it—but um, yeah, at the very end when they're on top of Mount Rushmore in that chase scene, like I—I I didn't realize that was actually to a movie. I thought that was just um, I forget where the first uh, parody was or like reference I'd seen to it. I'm like, okay, that was kind of cool. Then I saw it again. I'm like, huh? 
they can't be making a reference to that show I watched not long ago. So then I realized it was to a movie, but I didn't know it was North by Northwest. So I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's where that's from. I finally got to figure that mystery out, but that was so really cool. Not only do you get a crop duster scene, you get a Mount Rushmore scene. Exactly. Um, yeah, that scene is pretty awesome. Yeah. Interesting thing actually... about that one was uh, that Alfred Hitchcock, when he um, he and the writer of this movie. Um, Ernest uh, Lehman, they were coming up with ideas for it, and Alfred Hitchcock said the only thing he he came, he was he come up with when they first started talking was that he wanted a scene a chase scene on top of Mount Rushmore because I don't care how it gets there, I just want this in my film. Like that's that's amazing. And yeah, it's so, such a random kind of spontaneous idea, but it just shows you know determination and the passion that he had for his film. Oh yeah. Um. I actually had another scene I was going to talk about. I, I enjoyed the crop duster scene. I enjoyed Mount Rushmore. But in the middle of the movie, there is a scene where Cary Grant drives drunk. Do you remember that oh, scene? Oh, yeah, the, the chase scene. That was um... that one was pretty crazy. So basically, Cary Grant's character, he's forced his intoxication. And um, they set him up in his car and attempt to have him drive off the cliff like a suicide. And he kind of pulls it together. But he's speeding down these like farm roads and the camera is like right, right on the hood kind of facing Cary Grant. So you see his entire facial reactions the whole time he's trying to shake off his buzz, but he, he, all you can see on the road is only the, the diameter of the headlights. So you don't know what's coming, which way the road turns until you have to turn. And so the animosity they built up there and not to mention he passes by the Glen Clove police officer who chases him. So now you have drunk Cary Grant who's being chased by an officer in the dark on these farm roads. And then the bad guys are behind the cop. I mean, they do a pretty good job of building that up. I, I thought it was really well done. Definitely, that was that was definitely one of the um, one of the more entertaining ones. Um, the chase scene ki- looks kind of ridiculous nowadays, just because um, you can always tell back in the movies that there's it's not really a road; it's like a that's behind them. It's like a projector and all that, or like just, you know, like a green screen and all that. So it's just after seeing like what we have now, it's like you can tell. But like putting it into the context of 1959, it was it was definitely a cool scene. Yeah, I um, I, I definitely say you know North by Northwest. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Like I said before, it is a good movie. You know, invest you know almost two and a half hours into it. But kind of like Paul saying there, you're you're gonna see these landmark scenes which you may have seen parodied in in Simpsons or Family Guy or some other TV show. But it's really good to see where it pulls its source from. Definitely. Yeah. So, did you have any um, problems with the movie? Anything that you um, didn't like? Um, nothing too specific. I don't, I won't nitpick and tear a film apart, especially by Hitchcock. But, um, I I think overall, I'm glad the movie gets a lot of credit. It definitely deserves the credit it gets. Um, but instead of shaking Mr. Hitchcock's hand, I'm really going to shake, uh, the photography guy's hand, Robert Burks. I just, I think that those scenes would not be as successful if he hadn't filmed them the way he did. Um, like I said, even putting the camera on the hood and kind of filming, you know, instead of just seeing the car drive by, 
the way that they filmed Cary Grant like head on with his facial features and capturing all the emotions when they're on Mount Rushmore scene, you know, people looking down. Um, I just, yeah, I'm not going to tear the movie apart. I know you might have something, um, but I, I'm just going to give it a thumbs up. I've got, I got a couple things, but like, I'm also remembering that this is an action thriller crime movie. So I, these are like, like you said before, like I'm kind of, I don't particularly like this genre. Like, I'm not against it, but it's not, like, my go-to genre. But I felt like the plot was mostly made up of coincidences. Like, he's, um... Roger just happened to be calling a waiter who at the same time was said the name of a spy who wasn't really a spy that existed, but was a distraction from a real spy. And it was... It's just, like, so coincidental that it's a little bit ridiculous. And... Then there was the whole, um, the love story between, um, Roger and Eve, and, like, it's real weird, because there, there was talking on the train, and it's, it's pretty good dialogue, them talking and everything, and they're obviously flirting with, with each other. Then it turns out that Eve is, um, is, um, working with the, uh, guy who's trying to kill him, but then isn't actually doing that. She's actually working with the police, and they're basically infatuated with each other, from what I can tell, because, like, they, they both like the um, the dangerous adventure life, and they're both kind of, like, you know, talking about, like, how he's wanted for murder, and, you know, it's it's kind of sexy. They're talking about, like, how, you know, he's, he's, he's on the run, and you can tell she's into it. But then none of that turns out to be true on either one of their sides. But then they still have this, like, infatuation with each other. The whole time I'm like, okay, I, I just need something a little more than that, something that keeps these two together. Because then, like, at the end of the film, she's forced to go back with the um, the bad guy, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. They didn't really give a good reason for that. Like, she had to keep doing her spy stuff. But I don't know. I, I didn't buy that very much. But um, he goes after her because he's in love with her. I'm like... But really, why? Like, okay, come on. Like, this is Cary Grant we're talking about. You mean to tell me he doesn't have other women like this, like, falling for him? I mean, like, he, he, he's, he's a good-looking man. He's obviously successful. He's charismatic and everything. Like, why this woman? And I just didn't see a good enough reason for that. And I, I know I'm nitpicking. This is, like, the reason why was because, you know, he's going on an adventure. And, like, he's it's basically a life-altering thing. And... Of course, like, what better than, like, meeting a woman who he'd, like, fall head over heels for, but I, I needed a little more for them to stick together, especially for all he all he did to go after her, and I, I, I know I'm nitpicking, but I, I couldn't quite accept that. That's okay. One of us has to agree, the other has to disagree, but I have a question for you. Yeah, okay. If they were going to remake this movie, who do you think would play... Uh, Cary Grant's character. Do you think this would be a Tom Cruise movie? Oh God, I would hate Tom Cruise in this. Like, <laughs> North by Northwest remake starring Tom Cruise. North by North Mission Impossible. Oh yeah, I, I tried. As you were describing, you know, it's a spy action adventure. I'm like, oh, sounds like a Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like I, I, I don't like Tom Cruise, but I really like Cary Grant. Like. The idea of Tom Cruise playing playing this character like that that kills me. I would I would have to I'd have to fight somebody on that one. <laughs> Nothing could save it from yeah. itself. Maybe like Pierce Brosnan or something would pull it off. Like I don't know. Like 
trying to think of like some charismatic character who's um I don't think it. I, this this would be a terrible movie to remake. Like it, it's just good the way. Yeah, there, there's there's tons of movies that should never be touched, and I believe North by Northwest is one of them. Definitely. Like imagine them trying to remake the crop duster scene. Like I was just CGI. thinking about that. You know, it'd be some sort of CGI. Uh, it would look terrible, and it, I, oh. I, that, that's a terrible thought. Like uh, Alfred Hitchcock would come back to life just to smack somebody in the face. Yeah, I think it makes me nauseous to consider that they might even remake this. You know, they've remade Psycho, and it's only a matter of time before they remake something else. Yeah, I've I've avoided the remake of Psycho. I heard it was not bad, but as far as I'm concerned, like, y- you can't do it. Like, I don't think there's a single Hitchcock film that should be remade. Like, I can't really imagine. Like, I think they remade, like, um... Rear window with like Shia LaBeouf and called it something different. Like it was Disturbia. That was it. Yeah, it's like oh come on. Like I remember watching the commercial for that. I'm like wait, this is just Rear Window with Shia LaBeouf. Like no, like somebody needs to get fired for this. I'm not. It, it could be a great film, but it can't be because it's it's a remake of Rear Window with Shia LaBeouf. Like no, you you don't do it. The next thing you know, you have uh, James Stewart remaking Transformers just to get back at him. Oh my god! That, I, <laughs> I'd, I'd watch it. I imagine Transformers by Alfred Hitchcock. That would be. Uh... <laughs> oh. But so, do, have we decided what movie we're gonna watch next? Um, tell the audience. That's a tough one. Uh, well, first, um, out of ten, what would you give this movie? Let's see here. I gave Rope a ten out of ten, didn't I? So I think North by Northwest. I'm gonna go with a six. I give this one a 7 out of 10. Um, it's fun. It's constantly something going on. It's vis- visually encapsulating, and there's so many iconic scenes that are just so intrinsic in um, pop culture that, like, I think anybody, even if you don't like this kind of film, and you, you gotta see it just for, like, the cultural relevance. But, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this film. Like, it's not perfect, and... It, I wouldn't be me if I wasn't nitpicking at stuff. Like I, that's just kind of how my brain works. But there was such a great cast to this, and there really was not a single bad performance in this. Like I thought it was great all around, and yeah, just everything worked for it. Despite the fact that if you think too hard about it, you'll start to find problems. But if you just accept it for what it is and don't think about the details. It's it's a fine movie. Yeah, couldn't say it better myself. Yeah. So thinking about the next movie in our Alfred Hitchcock month, I'd say we should go with the film Vertigo. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I think that one would um that'd be a fun one to to review. It's um kind of a mystery thriller and it's got um some murders in it so it kind of balances out on um, rope and north by northwest a little bit looks like we're gonna alternate our uh stewart and grant movies here oh yeah well for people who are familiar with hitchcock i think they can guess what's going to be the last film but i'm not going to give that away just yet so. you'd be crazy if you did what are you psycho <laughs> <laughs> all right so This has been another episode of Director's Showcase. Tune in for the next episode as we we go into week number three of Alfred Hitchcock Month. Till then, I'm B-Movie Paul. 
And I'm Phantom Dark Dave. And we will see you next time. Get on the next